0: Good morning. Your Bible may have Zechariah's name spelled slightly different. It Depends on which version you're looking at. But if you would open your Bibles to Luke chapter one, look at Zechariah, and we're looking at the story in chapter one of Luke chapter one. Looking together, if you would, we're going to begin with the first of uh, fifth first, excuse me, of Luke chapter one together. It'll be on the screen, but you're certainly welcome to follow in your Bible. At the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abjai. We'll look at that in a moment. His wife, Elizabeth, was also the descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Isn't that interesting that they would be called the righteous? They would be labeled righteous. I thought that was quite fascinating that they would say the person. We don't say that today. We don't say, well, there goes a righteous person. We might say someone is a godly person, might we? But we don't say, well, label that person. That person is righteous. But here in the Bible, they did. So now we have this explanation of that. Now Herod, you also mentioned Herod, king of Judah, was also in that first part of that passage sharing together. Now you need to know something about Herod. Herod was cruel. He was evil, he had no standard of judgment, he was politically hungry, power hungry, he knew just the line to walk of how to be a despot and how to be cruel, and yet hold on to his job. And so there we have this contrast between Herod the evil one and Elizabeth and Zechariah the righteous ones. It's an amazing contrast right there in chapter 1 between the evil of Herod and the righteousness of the two, those sharing together. Verse 7, and there they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they both were very old. So I was able to get a picture of Elizabeth and Zechariah here. Actually, that's Michelle and I. They were old. They were too old to conceive, too old to have in their life. That was what was happening. Now, once Zacharias' division was on duty, and he was serving as a priest before God, and he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go to the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time had come for him to be burning incense, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Okay, here's what we're talking about. So there was the temple. Now, this was Herod's temple, but we'll use the illustration from Israel as they had their first tent. They built this tabernacle to God. It was divided into the holy, most holy place, if you're familiar with that particular part. And inside that particular part, right before the veil, right before the most holy place, was put the golden altar, That golden altar, the highest position that a person could be called to, to work and to minister in the temple, was to take and be in charge of the altar of incense. They were to go before that. So what had happened was that they were choruses, they were called, in which they were divided. All the priests were divided up into 12 choruses. Once a month, they would come up before the Lord uh, once a year on their month. Sometimes in some passages that it was a weekly, but this happened once a month. They would be travel. they would come, because the rest of the time they were out teaching in the synagogues. They were all spread around. So here they would come up that one time for their chorus, would be called before the Lord. Now they would line up all the priests that had come, and they would cast a lot. And then they would choose that out of the lot, out of the thing would come a number, and they would ask all the pri- uh, priests to please stand in line with their thumbs up. And they would start down the line. And they would start, cal- uh, start counting the thumbs. And whichever the thumb was that happened to land on that particular lot, that one was a sign to take care of the altar of incense. It was a high honor. And you could go your whole life as a priest and never, ever be, have that opportunity to operate at the particular Altar. So here's Zechariah. He's come up with this chorus. He's standing in line. The light, the lot has been cast. And now he comes down and he is selected. Now, this is quite fascinating because something is about ready to happen. And the verse 11 says, And then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. Here is Zechariah. He had been called up. He is there. Now you think about the odds of that happening, of it being that he would be in this position at exactly the right time. Had to be exactly at the right moment. See, with God, there's no hurry. There's no delay. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son Everything operated on God's exact time clock. Perfect. And so when Zechariah was chosen, his number was pulled out of the lot. The Lord knew what he was doing and made sure that Zechariah was standing in the exact spot he needed to be. And he was chosen because he knew he needed Zechariah the righteous one, to stand at the altar. And there he was. And all of a sudden, the angel appeared. And when Zacharias saw him, he was startled, and he was gripped with fear, and he pulled back at the shock of having an angel. Not only were you called to take care of the most sacred part before the veil was the altar of incense, the ascendance of prayers. Not only was he there, but all of a sudden, an angel appeared there. Can you imagine that happening, going to that? Well, we find that at other times. At this time in the scriptures, we find that Mary was troubled by the angel's appearance. Don't we? We also find that the shepherds, they were shocked when the angel appeared to them and they were out on the countryside. Lots of angel appearing. But here was the angel of the Lord standing there, all of a sudden appeared unto Zechariah, came apparently out of nowhere. There he was standing there. Right beside the altar, and here is Zechariah in shock to what is happening. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. What prayer? Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you will call him John, and he will be a joy and a delight to you, and he will, and many will receive because of his birth. Rejoice from that, and for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he, uh, he is to never take wine or other fermented drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born, and he will bring back many people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before the Lord and the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children. Look at that again. He will go before, he will go on before the Lord and to in the spirit and power of Elijah. So we have two elements there that are tucked into that text. And as the angel revealed this unto Zechariah. Zechariah is trying to take all of this in, exactly what happened, and the angel lays out exactly what's going to happen. He is going to be before the Lord, and he's going to have the spirit and power of Elijah. Well, if you're familiar with the story of John the Baptist, John the Baptist stood on the ring, and he said, prepare ye the way of the Lord. It was predicted by the prophet Isaiah that he would be standing there proclaiming the way of the Lord. And certainly John the Baptist was there. But also we find that, and if you look at the last chapter of the book of Malachi in the Old Testament, Malachi has this little text just stuck in there almost to the very end in verse 5. And he said, see, the Lord is speaking, see, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. Elijah, Well, Elijah was dead. Now, Jews did not believe in reincarnation. So he said, before the great day of the Lord, I will send you the prophet Elijah. Now, if you're familiar with the story of Elijah, Elijah was up on Mount Carmel, was he not? It was the great experience of where he went up and he built the altars. Do you recall that? The altar built to God and the altar built to Baal. And he stood on Mount Carmel, and God answered with fire. Remember that? Answered with fire and burned down. He stood there, and he asked the people, choose you this day whom you will serve. Make that choice. Here is the great opportunity for you to choose whom you will serve. We call that in Scripture. We call that part, that experience of coming, the great Elijah message. He was to give this message. So John the Baptist, when he stood on the river and called out the people to choose, what are they going to do with God? What are they going to make their experience with God? What are they going to do? He was delivering the Elijah message. Now the scripture said, I will send my prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So I would gather from that, before the Lord returns the second time, the Elijah message needs to be proclaimed for people to choose. They need to do that. Back to Luke chapter 1. Back to Luke chapter 1. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah now, talking about John the Baptist, to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people for the Lord. And Zechariah asked, How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. Think for a moment. Here's Zechariah, standing Right there at the altar of incense, before the veil, the most sacred spot, and he asks, How can this be? How can this possibly be? We can't have children. And we could ask, Zachariah, how could you ask that? How can you say that? How can you make that question? You know and have taught the story of how Isaac became the son of Abraham. You know that miracle. You've taught that. You're a rabbi. You've gone out. You're a priest. You've gone out and shared this story over and over again. And you, well, well, the story of Samuel, and how Samuel's mother could not have. And all of a sudden she has, and she gave him to the Lord. You know that story and the stories of others about God, because with God, all things are possible. Is that not true? With God, all things are possible. So how could you stand there and question this? How could you stand there and question this? Wouldn't you question it too? <laughs> I mean, it just seems like such a, a natural thing to say. Um, angel, <laughs> we're too old. You've got to know that. So that natural response to him, he speaks up and says that, that natural way of responding and coming, I believe was a very human question to ask, very human of us. How can that be? But Gabriel saw it a different way, and the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God in the most holy place. I stand in the throne room of God and I have been sent. Sent by who? Sent by God. I've been sent by God to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their appointed time. Human doubt doesn't thwart God's plans. Human doubt. So you see, the righteous one is rebuked. <laughs> Remember, we started off with Herod, evil, cruel, terrible. As contrasted to the righteous ones, Zechariah and Elizabeth. And they were called righteous because they followed God's, God's leading. They were tr- they, it wasn't that they were trying to be good people. It was that they had decided in their mind that they are going to live as God's children. They had decided. They made that choice. They had made that commitment. It's more than just trying. They made a commitment In their lives. And we would look and say. The righteous can be wrong. They were wrong. Did it thwart God's plan? No. Did God go to someone else? No. But Zechariah. Standing there. In the presence of the angel. Before the veil. Chosen by Lot there for a very important moment, doubted what he was being told. The Bible goes on and says, meanwhile, I love that, meanwhile, so the things were happening, so meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he was so long in the temple. Why he was so wrong. When they would have the Day of Atonement, the high priest would put on normal priest clothes, and he would go into the most holy place, and they would tie a rope around his ankle as he would go in, in case he was struck by God becoming in without being cleansed him. They could drag him out, you see, they could drag him out without going in themselves. I thought that was kind of an unusual thing to do. If he dropped over dead, they could have some way to get him out of the most holy place. That was, I I've always thought that was rather different. But Zechariah, Obviously, this worked on some type of a time program, some time thing. The people were there praying. They knew he'd gone in. They knew he was going to offer these prayers. And it normally took so long. They're outside praying, waiting for him to come out. And when they're waiting and waiting and waiting, why isn't he coming out as he normally would? Why isn't that happening? And so when he comes out, when he came out, he could not speak to them because the angel made him dumb. And they realized he'd seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. Now, when his service was over and he was completed, he packed up with all the other from his chorus and they went back to wherever they were. They went out to their place because they were all from the tribe of Levi, both his wife, Elizabeth, and he were from the Aaron's. Family, they were all from the tribe of Levites. They were all in the priesthood uh, family, and so he went back to go do his normal things, which he did 11 months out of the year. And after um, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion, the Lord, she said, the Lord has done this to me. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people, because she would be able. To bear a child. When it was time for Elizabeth to give her baby, she gave birth to a son, and the neighbors they all came around, relatives, and heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy, and they shared in her joy, even though at her old age, they were so excited for her, and on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him and after his father Zachariah. They said, well, that would be wonderful. Let's name him after his dad. His dad is a priest. His dad has stood before there. His dad saw the angel. Let's let continue the tradition about naming him Zechariah. And we would then pass it on. And now all the relatives, all the family and friends, don't you would like to have that? Wouldn't that be wonderful, Elizabeth? And she responded. And the mother spoke and said, no, he is to be called John. John. Why would we call him John? They said, there's no one in the family like that. There are no relatives who have that name. Why are we going to call him John? Where'd you pick that out of? And they said, we will leave with you. We're going to go and we're going to go talk to his dad. So they went and talked to the father. They went to Zechariah. They were looking for him to find out what he would name them. They say, don't you want to call him Zechariah? After yourself, make him a junior. We have seniors and juniors. Wouldn't you want to make him a junior? Wouldn't that be an honor to you? And go. And he asked for a writing tablet. John asked. He asked for a writing tablet. And uh, everyone's astonishment he wrote his name is John. And they were stunned. They were stunned that it had given the name John. Broke tradition. Broke the family chain. Broke the whole thing. And immediately, the Bible says, his mouth was opened and his tongue set free. He began to speak and doing what? Praising God. Now watch. Watch. Zechariah, the righteous one, obeyed. We had earlier, Zechariah, the righteous one doubted remember but evidently the righteous one had learned his lesson and he obeyed the righteous one obeyed elizabeth obeyed does that tell you something about being righteous does me Obeying God has its rewards. Obeying God has its rewards. And all the neighbors were filled with awe. And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. And everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. What is this child going to be? What is in store for John? Not Zachariah Jr., but the angel gave him the name John. He is to be called John. Well, if you're familiar with a little bit of the history of John, John, who was actually a cousin uh, with Jesus, he went, as a young man, he went down to the Qumran community. We believe he went down to the Qumran community, which is just by the Dead Seas. There's something significant about the Qumran community. And if you're going with me on the trip, you're going to see this. Um, when you go down to the Qumran community, in the Qumran community, they had a commitment to the studying of the scriptures. And so they were very meticulous in protecting the scriptures. And so you can still see, there's a place there, you can see where they did this. They rolled out their sheets, they rolled out their their skins and spread out their parchment, and they wrote and copied over and over and over again the scriptures. And then they rolled them up, and they put them in jars, and they said, we are going to put them up in the caves, and they hid them. And they dressed and talked just like John the Baptist is described. So we understand, we are very, thinks that they went down and that John spent time with the Qumran community before he ever went out and stood at the River Jordan, made that journey. In 1948, it was a little shepherd boy, a little Arab shepherd boy who was trying to keep chalk of his, his sheep and goats, and he was trying to get them back at the end of the day, and he saw one that was up at one of the mouths of the caves, and there are lots of little caves along there, and he took a rock and he threw it up there to scare that thing so he wouldn't have to climb up and get it out of there. And as it went in, it did scare the sheep, but all of a sudden, instead of going thud, like he thought it would, it went clink, he said, what in the world did that hit? And he went up, and he went into the cave, and the cave was full of jars, clay jars. And he picked up one, he poked off the top, and inside was a scroll, and he pulled out the scroll, he tucked it under his arm, and he walked back to his home. And when he got back to his home, his family was so excited to have it, they took it up and they put it like a poster on the wall. It's a long one. It went all the way around the walls and put it up. Isn't that one? They couldn't read a word of it because it was in Hebrew and they spoke, spoke Aramaic. So they're looking at that. is Isn't that amazing? Oh, my, oh, my, what in the world? It sure makes a nice decoration in our home. Well, word got up to the Hebrew University and one of the professors said, you know, we ought to go down and take a look at that. So they went down to take a look at that, and I said, oh, and as he walked in, he immediately recognized, as he looked around, and said, it is the prophet Isaiah, a scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Where did you find this? Oh, there are lots of them, the little Trevor Boy says, I'll show you, and he took them down there, and they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, which is the Bible that Jesus had. But you know, they just recently found some more. Yeah. So John the Baptist was there in Qumran, we believe, learning the scriptures, learning the prophecies, reading from these people who were devout followers of the scriptures, who held the scriptures sacred in their hearts. And he left to become the greatest prophet who ever lived. Jesus said, the greatest prophet, because he proclaimed the birth, and the coming of the Messiah. So what are we to learn? Righteous people. Righteous people make mistakes. We may even doubt the word of God. What makes them righteous is they recognize and come back to the Lord. Say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. I will obey your word for the benefit of myself and those around me. Dear Lord, I thank you for the faithfulness of Zechariah. Oh, he doubted. He thought the angel was speaking foolishness, not realizing the importance of his role. And we rejoice that your your plans were never thwarted. But indeed, Lord, you went on as they should be. I thank you for offering to Zechariah and fulfilling that he was able to get his speech back as the angel promised to him, as Gabriel told him, indicating that he was forgiven for his obedience and willing to come back and say, I am a follower of you. It speaks to our day when we doubt or concern that even though we have those moments, that, Lord, you still are patient with us and still in spite of ourselves, are willing to call us righteous. Amen.